You're listening to a podcast from Blogging Heads TV. Hi, Mickey. Hey, Bob. How you doing? I, I'm doing terribly because I'm not. Uh, I'm not calling up what I was supposed to be calling up. Yeah, you look kind of distracted, and I don't want to say unprepared, but you look kind of distracted by something you would hope to have ready by the beginning of this little podcast. Yes. But so Here. how should I spend time? I can juggle. This is this oh, is this is David what Gergen. I have. The great David Gergen. You're showing us a picture of him. I'm showing you a pic an, an attractive picture of David Gergen because, Bob, yes. this is the point at any presidential administration where you when have you call to call in, in Dave, David Gergen. You call in David Gergen to fix things. Now for when our younger viewers, for our younger viewers, he was the omnipresent uh, nominally initially Republican, but almost transpartisan sage who frequented the McNeil era news hour and who was once referred to in a column by Michael Kinsley, although I think Mike was quoting somebody as, quote, you remember this quote? Goggle-eyed melonhead. A goggle-eyed melonhead. Thank I think you. The, I think he was quoting Jack Schaefer. Well, then it's, um, then it's twice as important a quote. Uh, but, um, but, you know, uh, Biden's poll numbers are, are worse than Trump now. Nobody thought it was possible. Yeah. Uh, he, he, it's bizarre because he's not doing that badly, but but somehow people don't like him. And that's when you call in David Gergen, when you have a messaging problem. Mm -hmm. uh, and it's it's strange that Biden's tech instead is to keep keep the team that's gotten him in this mess and also to. to uh to suck up to the base. Basically, his his strategy is, OK, we're going to put the Build Back Better bill on hold and we're going to have a, a, a big January 6th celebration where uh, where the base is happy. And then we're going to have a big voting rights debate that that is going to go nowhere, but it'll please the base because we'll be seen as fighting. Uh, and then maybe we'll get back to actually doing something uh, in a month or two. He's put off the State of the Union until March 1st. He has historically late because he, he, he thinks he can pass, get back to his build back better bill and pass something before March 1st. It's 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 his 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 being so scared of the base and constantly having to treat the base with kid gloves is bizarre. I mean, it's it, it, it's it's it, it's a little like Newsweek where we were we were writing for the people in the Midwest who we didn't know. So we have to like we were constantly scared of them. What would they think? Uh, he's constantly he's he's excessively scared well, of the what, what what I mean, what is it you think he should do aside from uh, demand that we he, add a work requirement to the child tax care credit? He what, should, well, it's clear what he should do. He and Jonathan Chait has called on him to do it, too. It's he should Manchin has made an offer. OK, he said he'll go along with a bill that has three components. One, universal pre-K two shoring up Obamacare and three spending. I think it was five hundred billion dollars on green initiatives okay he should take that deal immediately pass it before mansion changes his mind and uh accept the win say okay not only do we do infrastructure but we have this pre-k bill uh and it's do is doing great green things and it's shoring up obamacare so that's two wins i'm on a roll 
And then well, he can build from there. It sounds great to your ears because you don't care about any of the issues, any of the, the 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 elements he'd be jettisoning. But there are people in his coalition who do. I assume that's the source of his reluctance. Well, I, but you take what you can get. No, he thinks he has to let them go through this theater. The same he did do that with infrastructure, and it worked. Okay, he let them reject the infrastructure bill uh, and embarrass Pelosi, and then they came back and then they accepted it. So once they get their theater out of the way. Then, you know, I guess their electoral needs are happy and uh, uh, Ms. Jayapal can 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 concede. And I guess the theory is that uh, if we let if we let the let them have their feudal voting rights push, then they can come back and maybe, uh, you know, amend the Electoral Count Act, which is uh, sort of more important. Or we can or then we'll have their votes for this partial uh, build back better bill. But. I mean, you know, he he's getting like 30%. You take 30%. Uh, you know, you take what you can get. That's politics. I I don't and, know. You know. I don't know enough to say. I mean, I know the generically the kind of pressure he faces from both directions and you know, beyond that, I don't know. I don't know what to say. Uh, he 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 probably understands the dynamics of his coalition better than you do, or at least somebody in the White House does. Although I got well, to sure admit, got to admit it seems like a pretty not well-run White House to me. Uh, he, now, it, yeah, he doesn't understand the dynamics of how to make himself popular. That's for sure. Well, no, but you said yourself he's not doing that badly. It's a it's right. a messaging so problem. So, well, it's 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 it's, it's but it's, it's not it's, like you have a messaging solution. What you just outlined isn't really a messaging solution. What's your messaging well, sure. solution? Legislative achievements is is part of the solution. Yes. And being moderate, I mean, the conventional wisdom has shifted in the last week. The conventional wisdom used to be Biden's gone way too left for the electorate. Now the conventional wisdom is Biden's gone way too left for the Democratic Party. Okay, he's he's appealing to uh, Thomas Edsel and Michael Barone, two of the smarter people. Michael Barone is no lefty for sure. Well, but Edsel is. So um, the fact that they're both. uh, saying the same thing uh you know it, it's it's uh e- even even in their own coalition uh their calls for the what are the radically what charge. are the radically left things i mean you don't even know what he does want to salvage and build back better right so how can you say whether or not that put positions we, him far I don't, left it doesn't matter what left. he wants to salvage it's what he can get through mansion and mansion has made him an no, offer but here's he my question it. here's my question if you're saying he's too far left from the democratic party What's the evidence? What is it that he that you know he's trying to hang on to and build back better? That's just too far left for the Democratic Party. You don't well, know what he's trying left, to hang on to. The two far left parts are are um, are are mainly the uh, uh, Black Lives Matter and crime and 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 those issues. Uh, what do you want him? What do you, what's he doing on that? Did he? Did New he, York is a Democratic city. They just elected a mayor who was not in favor of defunding the police. Well, they also um, apparently elected a district attorney who, was a, who, according to some headlines, is saying that if all you do is commit armed robbery, I promise not to send you to jail. Surely that's a mischaracterization, but that's the it's, headline. It's armed robbery, which where there's no real public uh, public danger, which means you don't have bullets in the gun, I believe, which is oh, insane because how do people know whether you have bullets in the gun? I mean, it's obviously inherently dangerous. So seriously, uh, the DA in New York is saying if you commit armed robbery, but it turns out there's no bullets in the, in your gun, I promise you, you won't spend a day in jail. 
it's a misdemeanor. I don't know if that means he won't spend a day in jail. Yeah. But, um, <sighs> Even I. Okay. And we, know, and we know how radically left I am. <laughs> Even I <laughs> wonder about the wisdom of this. So in your in your view, I assume uh, yesterday's uh, January 6th speech by Biden was an attempt to rally the base, right? It wasn't exactly an overture to Trumpists. No, but but everybody, you know, and, and finally, at least he's opening up and the staff is sort of talking about their deliberations, but they're trying to portray it as, well, we felt this was the moment to attack Trump. Well, no, it's also, we'd run out of things to do. We were, everything we were doing wasn't working. So what do you do, you know, what do you do when you're at the bottom? You try something else and also you, you suck up to your base. So. They did those two things. They called in John Meacham, Bob. I know you like that. Wait, did he write the speech? He helped. This confirms but, my view that that guy is 100% worthless at best. At best. Well, why, what was that's, so terrible that's about That's a generous speech? estimate. I mean, it, went, it went on and on. And it was hey, a little... you know what? I'm about to give you an excellent... I had actually... We don't, folks, we don't arrange these things. We never intentionally set each other up. We don't talk at all before the podcast about what we're going to talk about at all. We don't exchange emails about it. We work without a net. But as it happens, that's an excellent segue, Mickey. Thank you. <clears throat> I actually queued up part of Biden's speech to play. And it's an example of how bad the speech writing is in the following sense. Look, I have found, of course, his speech was all about uh, how corrupt the Stop the Steal movement was and, and everything. I have found that the most effective way to convince people who haven't been paying much attention that Trump is totally full of shit about the election is the following. You say, you know how Trump was running around and saying there was fraud? Well, and you know how he sent a lot of lawyers to a lot of courts to make the case that the, you know, to do things that would overturn the election? Did you know that not one of those lawyers ever claimed in court that there had been fraud or introduced a single piece of evidence? That that even according to the lawyer was evidence of fraud. So while Trump was going around saying, folks, we've all seen the video where in Atlanta they pull those boxes out from under the table. Well, there is a video. I assume if it could withstand scrutiny, one of his lawyers might have brought it up in court because after all, it's the kind of thing you could bring up in court. Okay, that's the way I put it. Now, listen to the way Biden made the same point in his speech. Okay, Maybe you'll say he did a better job, but. here it is. Oh, shit. Come on. Now, oh, am I going to have to sit through a whole commercial now? The things you have to do. For a second, I am going to play this. I am going to play this so because it, it's so bad. Okay, I'm going to turn right. down the volume until it gets to 40 seconds. Uh, lest anything else I, I try uh, disrupt the whole process. You, you, it, you have 10 seconds to say things. Is it Meacham-esque? Is he talking about restoring our soul? No, it isn't that. It's just how badly he makes the a point. full and free and fair election. So it'll, it'll be, it's about three There's seconds. simply zero proof the election results are inaccurate. In fact, in every venue where evidence had to be produced, an oath to tell the truth had to be taken, the former president failed to make his case. Just think about this. Okay. Now, he's asking us to take his word for the fact that Trump failed to establish fraud in court. Isn't it much more powerful 
to say not one of his lawyers even alleged fraud or introduced evidence allegedly establishing fraud? I mean, seriously, am I crazy? Or is alleged this just fraud super bad? Court. Alleged fraud in court. court. Well, this, he, this is what he's talking about. He's, yeah, he's saying yeah. in no venue where an oath was taken, okay, did he make the case? Maybe I'm crazy and my way of putting it is not superior, but I'm not. It is. And, 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 and this is just like, what did he mean? What, what does that mean? What concretely, what image does that put in people's heads? I'm sorry. It's just, it's just. It, it's, he's given up. He, he's not, he's sort of not trying to convince people. He's trying to talk to his base and, and, and reaffirm that he's on their side. Yeah, but and he should at least give thing. them talking points they can use on social media and stuff that they can repeat. I mean, I, I'm sorry. The, the, <laughs> Maybe I'm too worked up about this. But I think you're worked up about a kind of a fine point, but um, no, it's not. A I fine accept point. the point. I accept the point. Okay, but look, it's the White House. He's the president of the U.S. Wouldn't you think he'd he'd have speechwriters who could do the best job possible just about of making every point he's I, going to make? His speechwriting shop is not very impressive. On the other hand, he seems, you know, they're writing in his voice, and he's involved in it, so it's going to be a Biden-esque muddle. It would be more uh, Biden-esque to, to do the plain talking version of it that I did. I don't want to dwell on this forever, but here's the, here's a larger point. I, I think I just see incompetence in a lot of places in this White House. Uh, I, I, you know, uh, from the State Department, uh, which isn't technically in the White House, but on down. And I think there was a there was a big article in the Washington Post on the how the CDC has approached the pandemic that uh, confirmed your opinion, but go ahead. Yeah, I think it's been pretty bad. And I think, and this is sheer conjecture. Tell me what you think about this theory as to why uh, level of competence seems so low. I think it has to do with his cognitive decline, which I'm not saying is dementia or anything, but I don't mean that just in the sense that, hey, he's too, he's too dim-witted to choose good people. I think, A, He's not totally on top of it. He certainly at his age and his level of cognitive development is not in touch with all the best and the brightest. So so he's got to rely on people for that. But I think I think because of the cognitive issue, they their rule of thumb was we've got to get loyalists. We don't want leaks coming out of this White House about how, you know, he 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 fell asleep during whatever. And I think they put a big emphasis on people they could trust. And that's one reason, uh, you know, at least in the national security realm, they just imported his Senate staff. They didn't they didn't like, you know, look around for for the, uh, you know, those big Brzezinski's of today or something. Yeah. There, that's that's, um, that's not the case of the CDC thing. I mean, with the CDC thing, he he appointed this woman, Walensky, I think, Rochelle to at the CDC, and she just puts out the guidance without coordinating with the rest of the administration because she's an independent agency. That's sort of what she's supposed to do. It's insane. You would think that they would all get together and say, okay, today we're going to say that you don't need to get tested after five days. And here's our argument. And we're all on the same page, right? They don't do that. She puts it out there and then Fauci contradicts her and then they change the policy. And it's, 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 it's just wacky. It's like, it's like uh, excess face and expertise. We put the experts in there and they do their thing and we don't bother. I mean, he, that's why they need David Gergen to have like a single message. Well, that's not uh, quite so a Gergen issue. I mean, that's an organizational issue. I mean, Trump did a better job of that, of unifying the voice. 
Right. Well, that's it's a sort of I'm I'm I, I yes, you wouldn't. It's the sort of thing that Gergen did messaging, but I'm I'm not don't I just mean you need somebody there who says and you think that's why he has Mike Donilon and all those people. Rod Klain, it's it's to say, okay, we have to speak, we have to get our get our act together before we go public. Um, you know, this is a little thing, but cutting it from ten days to five days, I just think five is a bad number. It just sounds too much like a seat of the pants decision. Oh, we we thought we'd cut it in half. I mean, make it six days or something. It sounds like it was, make it sound like you had to get your calculator out to make the decision, you know? They claimed, they claimed to have some, she claimed to have some evidence that after five days, you stop being really infectious, that most of the infection is in the first five days. I would still go with six. Five just sounds fishy. (laughs) It does. The, um, um, uh, anyway, to deal, to put, January sixth to bed. I, no, Bill, we haven't. No, we haven't even started to talk about January sixth. But go ahead. Okay. Well, it's absurd to make a. They made too much of a fuss about it. I thought Bill Crystal was right when he said, "Why can't they just have a moment of silence and get back to business?" You know, soon we're going to be going to our, you know, buying a car at the January sixth clearance sale. You know, hey. all cars must go. I would uh, love it's, that. Um, uh, and the smartest thing. The, the 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 freshest take actually that I saw was somebody uh, retweeting Azealia Banks, the the rapper. I believe she's a very well educated rapper, but she's a rapper, and um, said this is meth behavior. The climbing the walls, climbing the walls of the Capitol is what you do when you're hopped up on meth. Uh, and that's a role that somebody that hasn't been written about that much. Is how many of these people were on drugs at the time? Uh, they they were sure acting like they were on drugs. Uh, I don't, so. I, I mean, I don't, you know, it's funny. I heard a uh, Times Daily podcast uh, did a whole thing where they had actors read the transcript of an FBI interviewer of one of the people who entered the Capitol that day who was charged with something. And he was a, he was a former, what was he? Uh, well, anyway, whatever he was. A couple of things. One was he didn't sound like the type of guy who would be on meth. Uh, The other thing was, and of course, he was claiming, well, I no longer think that the election was stolen. I did at the time. But of course, that's what you're going to say once you're arrested, you know, the um, uh, but but. This I hadn't really planned to get into this, but the sentences so far strike me as lighter than I would have expected. Now, here's a guy who his story, what he told the FBI was. Oh, yeah, there was a little uh, scuffle with a cop, but he just kind of fell on me. And then I kind of pushed him to to get him off of me. And that's what he told the FBI. Then, like, the week the case is going to come to court, uh, video surfaces where he's, like, punching the, the—he's fighting the cop. He's assaulting the cop. I don't know right. if they have the beginning so that they can tell us who threw the first punch. But in a sense, it doesn't matter. You're supposed to defer— to the physical coercion of law enforcement officers, right? I mean, there are dead people who, who are now famous who failed to do that. The, the, um, uh, and so it had been, I think, that he was, but, but when that evidence surfaced, they didn't even increase it from a misdemeanor to a felony. It had been, I think, that they were planning he was going to get two months maybe, and now they ask for six and the judge gave him three. You got three months. You got the guy on video punching a cop on the day uh, as part of an attempt 
to derail the constitutionally ordained process for selecting the president. You give him three months. I'm sorry. Is that just uh, is well, what are my actually... partisan blinders blinding me to uh, the compassion and forgiveness I should show? I would I wouldn't I wouldn't be upset if he got more. But th- there are some unfair. The, the QAnon shaman who didn't hurt anybody, as far as I could see, he just dressed wildly was sentenced to jail. And that seems, you know, it seemed like what he did was in the lesser I think category. That, I think that costume alone warrants a jail sentence. If I just <laughs> saw him walking down the street, I'd, I'd make a citizen. I was going to, as, as I was going to try to get a costume like that to wear today, but it, it was too elaborate. <laughs> Supply the chain horns. problems. Amazon could not deliver the horns on time. What can I say? <laughs> Uh, so, um, wait, more uh, on G- I have more. On G- I have more. On G- you on have more. Okay. Say. We're not. Wait, done. there's more. Wait, there's more. I had an epiphany. Well, first of all, well, a couple of things listening to. All, I'm not sure what part you thought was overdoing it. I don't know if you mean all the media attention, but I the media well, attention kind of convinced me of something. Go ahead. What what, what was overdoing? They did. They, they have this big commission and and they haven't come up with anything. The whole point is to get Donald Trump to see that he is more culpable than than we might have thought because he called in a Steve Bannon or he was he said, damn it, I'm not going to call them off. They're doing my bidding or something like that. And and they they haven't they're celebrating themselves, but they don't really have much. They had two little pieces of evidence. One, they had Stephanie Grisham say that he was excited by the by the violence. And they had an unnamed person saying that he hesitated for 20 minutes to put in the line in his tweet, be peaceful, okay? It wasn't even 20 minutes. It was less, a little less than 20 minutes. Yeah, and so- That is an little, important 20 minutes, are, I would say, but go ahead. It's an important 20 minutes, and I would impeach him for 20 minutes, but, you know, he's he, he, he's um, he's not president anymore. So I, I just think I just think they're, 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 just, they're, they're celebrating themselves and celebrating Dick Cheney. I'm sure you appreciated that on the floor of Congress. Uh, well, Liz and, more than Dick, right? Or what they say Dick about was Dick? there. They were all palling around with Dick. Uh, did you did and, you know that during the? No, uh, I guess it was like the night before when Trump singled out Liz Cheney by name. Dick, her father, called her. This is maybe January fifth or early January sixth. Told her that. Said, "Did you know that Trump had done, has done this? I'm worried about your security." And they talked about it. And, and they talked about whether. Uh, she should proceed with her plans to say something or other or vote something. I forget. But as I understand it, like that was the frame of mind she was in when those guys broke into the Capitol. So I have to spare a little moment. For well, sympathy all, those, for her. all those people were legitimately terrified. And that's obviously part of why they're making such a big deal of it, because they Pelosi and AOC and all those people legitimately feared for their physical safety. I mean, I, I you know, it's a little like it's a little like this, this demonstration down the street uh, on Rodeo Drive. You know, the Black Lives Matter people said we were just peaceful. We were pounding on the windows, but we were peaceful. And the people inside said we were terrified. They were pounding on the windows. Well, they were yeah. legitimately terrified. And and Pelosi and, uh, you know, that there's every reason why this would be a searing experience. Uh, but, you know, if you step back and look at at, at, at its larger place in American history, it's not as important as they're making it out to be. Well, as as to your complaint that the commission doesn't have anything like a smoking gun, and I don't have any reason to think they'll ever find one. On the other hand, there is some evidence that they're still trying to get a hold of, right? Communications involving well, they the said war that, room. They, the, said we, the, 
we yeah. need more time so we can get evidence. And if Trump would just, if we get, get this phone call that he made to Bannon, uh, you know, we'd be getting somewhere. What, what, what I don't understand about these phone calls, and, and I don't think you'll have the answer, but I don't have the answer. My understanding was that all phone calls are recorded. And no, it's just a question no. of can you retrieve no, the tape I, No, 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 no. I don't think so. I think the metadata, who you called. Now, text, okay. texts seem to be seem to live forever, so far as I can tell, judging by how long oh, okay. it factor dredged up. But no, our phone calls are not being recorded unless there's something we don't know going on. Okay. Uh, well, then they can't. That, that would be a horrible world to live in. I, I, how would you go on living if that were the case? That would be terrifying. Well, I think you know, that was the, the world. Of things people I think like that was the world. Europe, I think that was the world Europe was living in after 9-11. I think we recorded every. We, we well, took every phone call made in Europe and ran it through a computer. I don't know if I we think saved that, it. I think that's that. right. There was a massive, it may have been a subset of those, but but they used the the excuse of there being a foreigner involved in the call as justification to actually record a ton of voice calls, as I remember. And they ran it through a computer in Scotland, I believe. Uh, and, and the American calls were run through a, a, a windowless building in Tribeca. <laughs> You're making that correctly. up? No, no, I'm not making it up. Um, uh, so anyway, um, so wait, why would they not do that? They have the capability of doing it, so you think they would do it? Well, they don't have the capability of doing it. Well, they, if they run every phone call in Europe through a computer, they can run every phone call in America through a computer. I mean, it wouldn't hold up in court, I don't think. They well, that, that's could. that's the legal. They didn't have the legal justification. but Well, they, technically, it's it's possible, I suppose. But I think the metadata is actually kept by the carriers. Like, I think the, the feds get that from AT&T. Anyway, if they just said, if they just said, we don't have the, ev we don't have the evidence we want nailing Trump, but we're, we're digging and we think it's there, that would be one thing. But it, they didn't do that. Apparently, Merrick Garland gave a speech this week where he kind of pointedly did not rule out the possibility of ultimately prosecuting Trump over this, which I think would be a huge mistake unless there's a major smoking gun. But. Well, you'd like, I mean, everybody's desperate for somebody that's going to knock Trump out of the race. And in retrospect, Pelosi's attempt to impeach him and disqualify him uh, has more merit. I still think it's crazy, but it has more merit than we gave it at the time. Because at the time we were under the delusion that Trump would fade away, he's clearly not faded away, and we would it would be good if he were constitutionally disqualified I, from running. He certainly hasn't faded away. But I thought it was interesting that apparently he canceled his January sixth appearance after a number of actual Republican uh, Congress people made noises about it not being a great idea. He seemed to was he deferring to to actual wisdom or what? That doesn't he seemed right. to be deferring to actual wisdom. Yeah, no, that was a good sign. I agree. That was but weird. I mean, uh, I figured he'd have them all primary. Uh, yeah. uh, but it's it, if he's if he's if he's being smart and not rigid, that just means he'll he's more likely to survive. So that's not good. So um, let me. The, Okay, go, go ahead. Although I'm, I'm going to ultimately insist on saying more about January sixth. But go ahead. I was going to segue to the voting rights dispute. So, uh, so well, uh, say what you want about January 6th. Let me say something that touches on that. And then I want to close with an epiphany I had that actually isn't that impressive. But it, just in listening to the coverage, the podcast and stuff about this, A, 
I have been reminded about of what a creep Trump is and how how many things there are you could in principle impeach the guy for me when he calls the secretary of state in Georgia and literally says, I need 12,000 votes, right? That's how he put it. I mean, that is major interference with, with a, a very important uh, process. And, uh, um, a, and I was more convinced that there are afoot right now initiatives in many states sponsored by Republicans that are collectively worrying uh, in terms of, in, you know, uh, changing the rules for uh, how the elections are conducted in the state, or just uh, along another dimension, the number of, uh, of stop the steal uh, boosters who are running uh, with Trump support in many cases for offices of significance in the administration of elections. And, well, and, and well, like, what's and, an example of something you're worried about? Because I'll, I'll well, tell you what as, I'm worried as about. As I understand is, it, really um, unless I got this wrong from, from a Times podcast today, uh, you know, Brad, is it Roethlisberger, the guy who was the stand-up guy, the Republican Secretary of State in yeah. Georgia. He's the guy who Trump called and tried to get him to, to fiddle with the votes. Um, and, well, what uh, technically Trump thought he was covering himself because he said, "Can you find twelve thousand cases of, of uh, fraud?" Or you know, it was. Well, he, he at some point said, "We both know that." Yeah, I, I mean, of course, he always says he I didn't mean, say, nobody. I mean, he didn't say look, steal twelve thousand votes from me. Mickey Adolf Hitler would have remembered. You should never bring up Hitler. I know, but Adolf Hitler would have remembered to say. Just for the record, of course, I really did win the election. Now, in Trump's case, I, I, I grant you, he probably believes it. I don't know. But in any event, just making that phone call and using the phrase, I need you to find 12,000 votes is kind of fishy. Anyway, the reason I mention him again is because apparently in Georgia, uh, I think the state legislature has actually now changed it so that his position is no longer an elected position and the state legislature appoints him and I don't think you that's know, what I, I think they cut him out of they they eliminated his his they took away some of his powers well that's I, that's uh, and, I heard that themselves, too I heard put that themselves too that, in charge okay uh, my, well, my fear I is have my fear wrong, is but but it's it's significant it's not nothing my fear is that right but if you look Bill Sher wrote a pretty good article for the Washington Monthly where the you know what they what they really want to do is take over Fulton County, which is the big Democratic county where they've always suspected there were shenanigans. That's where they pulled the box from under the table, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and and they Bill sure points out it's actually quite they've put a lot of hurdles before they can do that. There have to be various findings of incompetence, et cetera, et cetera. Now they can still do it, but the the biggest the biggest fear is is that they will just send their electors. They will say, okay, we think. You know, Trump won the election and send their electors to Washington. That seems to me the 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 biggest vulnerability in the constitutional scheme is the power it gives state legislatures to send whatever electors they want. They don't even have to have a vote, Bob. They can just appoint. They can just say, "Okay, we're going to decide who the electors are." Uh, you know that nobody's tried that for a century, but you know it didn't used to be a direct election of electors, and there's nothing in the Constitution that requires a direct election of electors. So they can just say. Uh, okay, we, we'll decide who won the election, uh, and and we decide Trump won. And what are they going to do about that? Instead, the people are in Washington, rather than defending against that, are defending against the opposite case, 
where the, uh, the state sends the right electors and Trump tries to get Pence to throw them out. So they're saying, okay, we need a supermajority to throw them out. Well, if they send the wrong electors, the supermajority makes it worse. Then you'll never get rid of them. Then, it, you know, they're fighting the last war instead of fighting the war that's coming, which is uh, similar to the war that's coming is similar to what George W. Bush was going to do in Florida, which is have the legislature send Bush electors to Washington, even if the courts said that had a recount and said that Gore had won. So uh, we need to fight the 2000 battle, not the not the last battle of 2020. Uh, and, and, and what they're talking about, even when they get around to talking about changing the Electoral Count Act, which they're not doing because the Democrats want to talk about their their, you know, their various oh, right. mail in ballot bullshit, that, which is solely designed to expand the Democratic vote. And not well, deal with this threat. Well, the Republicans, uh, well, they, even have been, if they finally get around to dealing with the Electoral Count Act, they're fighting the wrong battle. Okay, but first of all, the Republicans have been making real changes at the state level that are designed to and do reduce the number of Democratic. Well, voters. but so, they're, so, they're so, rolling back all the pandemic, uh, you know, mail-in extravaganza changes that were supposed to be a one-time, temporary thing just for the pandemic. We send mail-in mm -hmm. ballots to everybody so they don't have to go vote. Fine. Of course, I, you want to roll just those. Saying, you want to roll just, those back once the pandemic recedes. I'm just saying the motivations on both sides are partisan. But but I want to get clear on what you say is the next battle, which is what state legislatures just decide to send to defy the will of the voters in their state, or what? Well, well, they would phrase it as you know we think there was there you know there was fraud here, or we think that this is the correct count, or we're going to disqualify these ballots. We think that uh, that Trump actually won, so we're sending Trump electors. Uh, I don't think gonna... that's. I don't think that's very likely. I do think uh, there there's reason to be concerned about some of the other things I described. Just just the number of of uh, kind of Trump uh, groupies who are who are going to wind up in non-trivially influential positions in the administration of elections. Uh, but, but the courts but, will the courts will still supervise them. And unless you're willing to throw out the courts that, you know, that's that's what will carry the day, I think. The problem is the problem is that states might be willing to throw out the courts. And that's the threat that I'm talking about. In Florida, they were going to ignore the state Supreme Court. OK, and say we're the legislature. We choose the electors. It's right there in the Constitution. The legislature chooses the electors. So no, uh, that's, no the that's not what it says. No, it says the, the lead and you quoted it correctly in Twitter this week it says the legislator shall choose the manner in which right. Right. the electors are selected. Right. Right. So, so, why so that means so why they, they certainly say can say in advance, the legislature can say popular vote determines who the electors are. And that's what they tend to say. But but the Constitution doesn't say that after the election, the legislature can say, just kidding, the manner we prescribed in accordance with the Constitution, we've decided to change. No, any court would say, no, it's too late after the election. You can't just change the rules. I, they would probably say that. But, with, of course, there's an out there's an out that they could say. They could say, we we will choose electors by popular vote as we decide the popular vote went. We, the legislature, decide who won the popular vote. Well, I agree. Or they could even say they could even say the popular vote is advisory. Mm -hmm. uh, nothing in the Constitution says they could say we make the call. We decide. And as long as they say that in advance, 
it passes your test. That's sure. The if they say it in advance, exact, you're exactly right. They can they can specify any procedure they want in advance of the election. But if the election, if the popular election is the is the means they have specified for choosing the electors, they got to stick with that. Now, you're right. They might after the election say, well, you know, we've decided that the that due to this bit of shenanigans we claim happened here. Uh, the the uh, the actual popular vote outcome is this, not that. But I suspect that would be challenged in court. And I suspect right now, at least, unless Trump has another four years of appointing judges right now, at least most courts would at that point say, no, you're but, screwed. But and, I think and, and that's I go the, all the way up to the Supreme Court and fine. I think it would. And, and I think you're right that now they would. But, you know, in Florida, that's what they tried to do. And I think they would have gotten pretty far with it. They 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 had to do exactly that and say they hadn't specified it in advance, but they were going to say, we're choosing our electors because we think Bush won this state. And how are you going to stop that? The only way to stop it, if if Congress doesn't overthrow it, which it probably wouldn't, and it certainly wouldn't if they require a two-thirds vote, uh, the only way to stop it is if the Supreme Court intervenes. Uh, now, in 2000, they might have intervened the wrong way. I don't know. They probably would have intervened the right way. But uh, I agree that that's the only hope is that the Supreme Court will will uh, will stop it. And, well, then, and that's um, why, you know, that's why I that's why I don't think it is the uh, you know, in the threats to America, it is it is a very, very serious threat with a low probability of happening. But um, yeah, so that's well, why I don't spend all my time worrying about it. Maybe I'm a sucker, but the elite liberal media managed to get me concerned uh, yesterday. My the, okay. the Democrats have been fabulous at turning out their votes. They've been wildly successful. They'll be wildly successful in 2024, too. Nothing's going to stop it. Well, yeah, but it's politics. Is a game they may have to go to the polls instead of mailing in. The, the, other, the, other, the other point about the, what the Democrats are doing, it's, it's another exercise in base pleasing. The people who are concerned about this are saying we have to change now, you may disagree, but the people like Professor Hazen are saying, don't worry about this voting rights stuff, the stuff that you're talking about, the changing in the mail-on ballots, et cetera, et cetera. Worry about this Electoral Count Act where the states could send uh, either bogus electors or, you know, Pence could throw out good electors. Let's amend that. And the Democrats, Schumer, are saying, no, no, we don't want to focus on that. We want to focus on our voting rights things. That uh, that our base cares about, which are going nowhere because they're not going to be able to change it. Well, obviously, right. this is theater, and eventually they're going to come back to Professor Hazen's thing. The saving grace there is uh, they have time because the election is not till twenty twenty four, so they can go through the twenty twenty two election and still change it in time for the election in twenty twenty four, and they can change it in twenty twenty three. Of course, the Democrats won't be in charge then, so if they really wanted to control what happens with the Electoral Count Act, uh, they would they would say, sorry, base, we're not making anywhere with your voting rights stuff, but we, we do have the votes to uh, change the Electoral Count Act. And there's some Republicans who have said we they might be amenable, Senator Toon among others. Uh, so uh, this is another case of them going through theater to please the base, as opposed to good government, which would say, do what Professor Hazen wants. Mm. Um, sorry. Okay. What, well, you want my January 6th epiphany before we move on? Yeah. I always want the epiphanies. 
So I read a couple of uh, pieces that were addressing kind of the same subject. First was one in the New York Times from, what is it, Sorab Amari? He's a Trumpist who used to be uh, Washington, uh, New York Post's op-ed editor. Right. Uh, But he likes the child tax credit, so we don't like it. (laughs) I was afraid uh, you wouldn't make that connection. so, so anyway, the connection I was going to make was, uh, you know, he goes through the root causes. You know, he's talking about Trump's American carnage speech. He And Amari says the symptoms of the carnage, colon, stagnant real wages, pervasive health and job insecurity, dis- the disappearance into thin air of America's industrial base, ruthless tax, labor and regulatory arbitrage by corporations in the form of offshoring and open borders, uh, the corollary decline in union pay, uh, power, ravages of fentanyl, on and on and on. I, I personally agree. Those are in my ideal world. Those are the kinds of issues that Donald Trump would have managed to to show a spotlight on in a way that actually got the attention of of Democrats. And and they asked themselves, well, why did people vote for Trump? That would have been a wonderful world. But I think the world we're in is closer to the one that uh, John Harris wrote about the same day. I think in uh, he's the the uh, founding editor of Politico, of course. And he wrote uh, with respect to the root, uh, uh, the root causes of the anger that brought Trump into power. He writes, quote, the more the vitriol has risen, the less uh, consensus there is about the origins of the anger. To the contrary, there is something closer to an establishment consensus that the search for root cause is folly. The Trump phenomenon defies explanation and the threat posed by his demagoguery makes speculation about its origins an irrelevant distraction. My epiphany was just to realize that, you know, I already knew that Trump, you know, his base deserved better. They had some real grievances. They deserved a serious politician who would actually try to address them and articulate them coherently uh, and and, and force the Democrats to respond on those terms. Uh, What I hadn't really realized is, is that January 6th, and the whole stop the steal movement that Trump initiated ended any possibility of the Democrats taking a good look at root causes. It really is true that now that that just sealed the the the, the kind of resistance narrative that these Trump voters are crazy. I mean, after all, most Republicans do believe there was electoral fraud, which there is no evidence of, and. And and so and given the imagery of January 6th and everything, I do think that whole thing uh, just just consolidated the view that, hey, these people are fucking crazy. Don't I, don't tell me about their goddamn grievances. They're nuts. Yeah, that's a good point. Uh, and I do think it makes it much worse. I, I would I tend to write it off just as Trump going crazy. But if I was a Democrat. I I would write it off as saying uh, all Republicans are crazy. Um, but uh, the, a 2022 shellacking might uh, might uh, bring some sanity to the Democrats uh, and and restore. I mean, if the defund the police and all the all the woke craziness kills the Democrats in the midterms, surely saner voices will prevail in the party. And and they will moderate it. The problem I have, and I, I, I Amari's list is is fine. I I, I agree with ninety percent of it, as in terms of the root causes. Even that I don't think gets at the disquiet at the at the root root causes, 
the root root cause, we've talked about this, even if all those things, even if we restored the economy and, you know, and, and, and did some onshoring and uh, people aren't happy with the way society is going because the society is heading toward a, a, a future where machines take their jobs and, uh, and, uh, you know, they're in, they're on, they're, they're either in the Michael Young pathway of a meritocratic hell where, you know, society is divided into classes on the basis of skills and smarts, or, or they're, we're, we're headed for a corrupted Michael Young pathway where everything's doled out according to, you know, diversity, equity, and inclusion. Uh, and we're not, people aren't happy with that. And, and even, even implementing a lot of Trumpist policies isn't gonna, isn't gonna un, undo that disquiet. Uh, that's, I think, the problem. No, I agree. I, I mean, uh, I think the the you know, uh, one thing Trump did was take a problem. You know, as for the, the the where did our jobs go problem, I think most economists would tell you at least half of that problem is automation. And one one thing Trump did is convince people that no, no, it was all it was a combination of trade policy and immigration, well, but. Uh, and and that's part of what you're talking about. I think it's not the only thing. You're also talking about how just like social media and everything is changing the nature of community in ways that that people find well, uncomfortable. There's that, and there's also even jobs that used to have discretion are being proletarianized. So doctors and lawyers are unhappy because you know they're they're you know their their jobs have been routinized and uh, and private equity is taking over you know all sorts of areas. Like healthcare, that you know used to be run by by professionals. So uh, I do think that if we brought production home and had manufacturing jobs in America, and had a national service and had a universal healthcare, and seemed to have some purpose to all these efforts, like going to outer space or curing disease, or or some some something, you know, what is it, what are we all doing it for? The answer of the, the meaning question. Voters would be a whole lot happier than they are now, but uh, uh, and a lot of that is is Trumpiness. I mean, the the and 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 a lot of that is that standard Democratic politics. You know, the only issue where there where Sherrod Brown is really at odds with Trump is immigration. I mean, in terms of onshoring, he's he and the Trumps are in accord. Uh, so, we, do we still think the reason Sherrod Brown can't run for uh, president next uh, next time around is because he has skeletons in his closet? I mean, not because he champions the refundable child tax credit? <laughs> That's a disqualifying The, the answer to that question is yes, not because of that. I, I don't know. I know nothing about Sherrod Brown. I, I, uh, I assume well, that, that what the, you He, he is in principle is the true. ideal Trump-killing candidate on the Democrat side, right? He is a Trump-killing candidate, yeah. Well, if he we, doesn't have a skeleton people, in his closet, he should get out rightly, on stage. People were rightly terrified that Biden would pick him as his vice president, uh, vice presidential candidate, in which case Trump would be dead, dead, dead. Uh, no way. No way you were going to get a white male on that ticket, even if Biden hadn't made the promise. Well, we got the one. wonderful Kamala Harris with that kind of thinking, Bob. No, I'm, I'm just so saying I, I, I'm not advocating. I'm just saying that that was the reality of the political reality these days of having one white male on the ticket in the Democratic Party. You're probably not going to get a second one. If he hadn't made that uh, that pledge, he might have chosen somebody like Cory Booker, who would have been, I think, a much more appealing heir apparent and would have me much less terrified about what's going to 
what, what lies down the road than Although, uh, the current occupant. Talk, so, about, um, uh, talk about potential scandals. Oh, yeah? Oh, what? I don't think he has oh. any scandals that reflect on his character or ability. But things to... that would be perceived as scandals. There are a lot of people who think he's gay. I was going to say we'll way. save it for the parrot room, and, I, and we were going to make uh, tons of money off of that tease. Maybe. And 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 I I have some evidence to the contrary, but so I'm not sure he's gay, but he has also, an interesting you, personal life. You somewhat famously have the least discerning gaydar in the world, right? No, I have I have uh, perhaps an. Uh, there are a lot of false positives. Let, I was going to say you, you said it. You said it to err on the side of false positives. <laughs> but um, uh, anyway, I like Cory Booker. He's smart and he is spontaneously funny, in a way that uh, most politicians aren't. So uh, he his his failings are in the administrative area, and you know, we can uh, overcome that. He also has failings in the foreign policy area but it's it's a testament to what a mess the world is in that i'd rather i'd rather see uh i wouldn't mind seeing him as vice president uh the, quickly the, the democrats have a person of color who is a good administrator who's talks no bullshit to the american people who is not beholden to the left wing yet he has sterling left wing credentials he just happens to be over 80 years old it's willie brown Oh. I would vote for Willie Brown in an instant. Well, he's good friends with Kamala Harris, as I understand it. So maybe well, he, uh, he just he just gave another work something out. He just gave another terrific interview. Um, supposedly, Kamala Harris was not wildly happy with the op-ed he wrote about her. Uh, I'm sure he could have written one she'd be less happy about, <laughs> unless I'm mixing him up with somebody else. Um, but anyway, we digress. If that we can't get Willie Brown, Cory Booker that would we'll do. That will elaborate on in the parrot room. How does that sound? Um, Willie Brown, Kamala Harris, parrot room. Well, they were an item. Everybody knows that. So, what's Mickey, the for God's sake. But that isn't even you're, scandalous. You're just destroying every that great revenue model I come up with. <laughs> mm. We have plenty to talk about in the parrot room. Don't worry. Well, we'll um, get to that quickly. Fi final warning sign about where we are is the headline of Michelle, Michelle Goldberg's piece in yesterday's Times is, quote, the headline, are we really facing a second civil war? So now wait, it's the conventional wisdom that we are? Yes. <laughs> uh, on the left, everybody thinks that we're heading for a civil war. Oh, shit. Um, the, well, we may be, but. Uh, the, we haven't talked about COVID yet. Yeah, we should and get some of that in quickly because we're, we're approaching, uh, it, you know, we're at 50 minutes. So It just seems to me that... Um, we're at this weird period where Omicron is 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 sort of appearing more like the savior as opposed to the menace, uh, because it's come out that it does provide some uh, immunity against Delta. So it if it if it takes hold where Delta is prevalent, uh, that's a good thing because it doesn't seem to kill very many people. And uh, the, you know the what's what's also become clear is that. While all the focus is on Omicron on the coast, in the heartland, Delta is still raging. So the, the question is, wouldn't it be a good thing if we actually sent a bunch of people who were infected with Omicron into the heartland so that everybody could get Omicron and be immunized against Delta, partly? I think you uh, are the ideally Delta is still suited. killing people. The Delta you are is ideally, still killing people. 
you're ideally suited to write that op-ed because if I wrote it, they thought they think my agenda was to kill Trump voters. I think you should write that. The um, um by the well, way, Omicron is Delta is what's going to kill the Trump voters, not Omicron. Well, I know, but not everyone accepts that Omicron is not, you know, and it is it remains a little unclear to me how threatening it is or isn't. I mean, certainly the symptoms seem milder, less lung congestion, more like a head cold. But I would say the stats are still kind of bedeviling. I just want to add a wrinkle to something I said last time. I think even even Fauci has said that it's less deadly now. Well, then it don't. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> but anyway, go ahead. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I don't have to finish the sentence, right? Uh, the the uh, I was just so last time I I just made the point that the studies you read about where they say, uh, well, we compare people who just entered the hospital with Delta to those who entered with Omicron. Uh, and or or wait, or the people who get Omicron are more likely to enter the hospital or stay longer. I, I mean, with Delta, are more likely to enter the hospital, stay longer, whatever. I made the point that, you know, the Omicron population almost certainly has a higher percentage of vaccinated people because they are so resistant to Delta. Um, but, and I said, you, what you want is an apples to apples comparison where, for example, you see, you say, comparing unvaccinated people uh, who get Delta to unvaxed people who get uh Omicron, and the numbers they come up with there is that the reduction of risk is just 10, 20, 30%. But then I realized it's it's even that is a dubious stat because I think the unvaxxed people in the Omicron population are more likely to have had Delta or some prior variant by exactly the same logic uh, that led me to uh, posit that the Omicron population would have more vaxxed people. So it's very hard. It's very hard to find the true apples apples comparison. You know, unvaxxed who have had no version of COVID in in the in the Delta population versus the exact same people in the Omicron, or vaxxed people uh, who have whatever. Anyway, well, it's a good point, but it 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 also means that uh, it can still be true that it's more mild. It's just very difficult to prove. Sure, and, I, I suspect and, it is. I suspect most it people. Is. Most people who've resisted the idea that it's more mild have to come around to it. It's both more mild and it only, you know, part part of the part of the low death toll is the previously vaccinated people, but part is also that it's milder. And if it, you know, if it does, the doctors, the doctors who are on the front lines, tend to say it doesn't go into the lungs, don't they? So I mean, that's. Oh, I that's, think it's pretty clear the, that, those, that's that the it's, testimony that that I believe. I think that it's clear that it spends much less time in the lungs than in the upper respiratory system. Um, and, so, and, the, and, and you know, yeah. Anyway, the other thing that's happening there is that you know that we're waiting for Biden's push to normalcy, uh, the pivot. It's one of the pivots he's supposed to make. He's supposed to pivot away from BBB, and he's supposed to pivot away from COVID to talk about about what voters really care about. Which is? I'm not holding my breath. Uh, Wait, what is what inflation? Is they care about inflation and employment, and uh, uh, you know they care about normalcy, getting back to normalcy after COVID. This employment thing, the way they always frame the number relative to expectations, it's like I heard the, the headline on NPR today for the second month in a row. Uh, the job numbers were worse than analysts expected. Well, it sounds like we should fire the fucking analysts then. I mean, you know, the only point, way it makes sense is that it, it does 
if you're in the stock market, you've, you know, you you've you've priced right. in you've priced in how the Fed is going to react, and the Fed is probably going according to expectations. And if if the reality defies right. the expectations, then the Fed is probably going to do something different. Right. I, I, that's what is shaping the coverage. Is they are correctly characterizing whether this is good news or bad news for the stock market because that depends on what the expectations were the day before. But right. that's not what I want to know, you know. And I suppose, in a sense, it, what is news is the departure from yesterday's conventional wisdom. Still, it's it's like if you look at the employment curve, it's just this smooth, you know, since we were 25 million jobs below normal at, at the beginning of the pandemic, uh, the number has risen. And as it approaches the previous level, the curve gets less and less steep. That's the way these things work. And that's what the last two months jobless numbers have done. You know, it's like not, I don't know. You accept that if it was negative, that would be bad. We added 200,000 jobs. If it had gone down 200,000 jobs, that would be bad. I I even expect that if it were more positive, it would be better. It's just, it's just, anyway, it's a. You're right. You're right. Um, So, uh, wait, Um, there was one more. Oh. Speaking of normalcy, I gather what was the deal? Some some Biden and oh oh, it's people who were on Biden's like transition COVID team. So some real COVID experts, health experts who were on, who were advising him after he won the election, I think, and a number of them wrote pieces saying, you know, we need to. I think the upshot was we need to quit talking about victory over the virus and start talking about how you reconcile a normal life with the persistence of some variant of this virus, if I've got that right. Um, Do you favor yes, that? But one of them is Ezekiel Emanuel. Wasn't he supposed to have committed suicide by now? Wait, remind me who he is. I saw that name. He's and the I guy who should... said he was going to kill himself when he got to 70 because he lives long enough. Oh, is he? I think that's- How old think... is he? I don't know. <laughs> But uh, well, I'm going to Google be awfully that. close. In um, the parrot room, folks, we will know Ezekiel. It's weird how the Emmanuel brothers, all of whom are brilliant. Oh, that's Rom's have, brother. It's a weird how they've all sort of semi tarnished themselves. I mean, Ari's Rom was mayor of Chicago, but he got into trouble because of this uh, this video of this cop cop shooting an unarmed teenager that wasn't released, uh, sort of unfairly. Mm-hmm. I sort of like Rom. Uh, Ari is a complete jerk who's rent, runs a big talent agency out here that failed to go public, and he was just kicked out of a three hundred dollar meal veg- vegetarian restaurant in New York for throwing a snit fit. Uh, so everybody's realizing he's sort of a jerk, uh, and Ezekiel, you know, is is <laughs> failing failing to follow through on his promise to uh, end his years on Earth. You um, should host a reality show called Keeping Up with the Emanuels. You're very well-versed. That's impressive. Uh, anyway, um, uh, but you know, I, I want to, I, 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 I sort of want to wait till the numbers go down more before I declare normalcy. I mean, in California, we don't have it that bad. The, the, the case rate is going through the roof, but the death rate is barely budging. Uh, and um, it's well, pretty and- low. 
So we're, Britain, we're in much better shape than the rest of the country. And Britain should be the canary in the coal mine because they were, you know, about 10 days ahead of us on Omicron. And I don't think I don't think their numbers have uh, gotten alarming yet in terms of uh, right. deaths or even in that case, hospitalizations. Our hospitalizations have gone up, but our not- hospitalizations have gone up in California. The hospitalizations have gone up but not the ICUs. So that's uh, seems to be the. That if you if you look at hospitalizations, we're scared. If you look at ICUs, not so scared. If you look at South Africa, we you know they're already through it, uh, but they were heavily heavily infected already. So, um, well, you know we are, yeah. Uh, that's anyway, true, I'm but... I'm not ready to I'm not ready to pivot to normalcy yet. Maybe I'm a hypochondriac. By the way, I'm looking at uh, the UK numbers in the last three days. The case, uh, like I said, they're the canary in the coal mine. The case uh, numbers have been flat, and I don't think that's a function of the holidays. But in any event, the death numbers aren't up. Uh, the, fa- you know. the fact that I want to move to Florida and live there for the rest of my days should not be taken as any endorsement of Governor DeSantis's policies. Of course. Uh no, it should not. And um, by the way, I'm I may be slightly wrong about UK deaths. Maybe the last three days are collectively alarming, but we'll, time will tell because the holidays did screw things up. Uh, sorry, I interrupted your Florida riff. No, no. Anyway, I mean, it it does seem like Florida's a lot. It, you can point to individual DeSantis policies as misguided, but it does seem like writ large, Florida is. Uh, is doing better than the other states, and it may just be a you know a climatic difference that hot hot climates did better than cold climates. But um, uh, well, certainly it looks in like the Florida winter is the place you want to be. Well, the pattern is that the summer is bad for the South, COVID wise, because they're indoors with the air conditioners on, and the winters are bad for the North for the same reason they're indoors. Huh. Uh, good point. But uh, huh. in general, they've kept their economy going. Kids are in school. And, you know, the people that are dead are dead and their death rate is not that much worse than anybody else. So maybe they made the right call. So uh, you want a COVID segue to the parrot room? Not that we have to. No. Do, do we do, we I, don't I, have I, to segue right now, but I will say one thing we, I'm going to talk about in the parrot room at patreon.com slash parrot room. After this is uh, I listened to the whole Joe Rogan show with Robert Malone. Did you pay much attention to that? He no. is the I don't know how much how much of a kook is he? Well, that that's funny. You should put it that way, because uh, first of all, I want to say on his behalf, I don't think he should have been kicked off of Twitter. He's ra- He raises questions in the interview that somebody should address. I'm curious about that said, I'm going to play you a couple of clips and ask you whether those are signs of a kind of craziness. Because uh, I think the the I think there's reason to think he's he's kind of lost uh, perspective a little. And I and I think there's there's you know solid speculation as to why what drove him over. Okay, great. What it, whatever edge he may or may not have been driven over as and you will be the one who judges that that question. Can't, can't wait. Uh, we have a whole lot to talk about in the parent room. We have the Epstein case and the Maxwell verdict, will it be overturned? Is it part of a cover-up so large? Et cetera, et cetera. We have, uh, does everybody want to date AOC? We have Ben Smith starting his new elite publication with Justin Smith, uh, 
mm-hmm. who has always I wanted to wanted talk to about start that. new elite publications. We have, uh, I watched the Leonard Bernstein thing on the Beatles, uh, even if you didn't, Bob. But I did watch more of the Beatles documentary. Uh, I'm now halfway through, and I'm confident that I can finish it before I die. Yeah. The Leonard Bernstein thing was eye-opening. Anyway, I'll talk about that. Uh, we have William Crystal performing sub-Kaus in Oregon. Kaus at least qualified for the ballot in California, Bob. Did Kristoff you don't mean William. You don't mean William. You don't mean William Crystal, isn't that what you said? Kristoff, Nick Kristoff, running for governor of Oregon. The Secretary of State ruled he didn't meet the residency requirements. Now, yeah, and he's he's pissed. He's gonna he's gonna take it to the courts, and he may win eventually, but um, may win in the, at least get on the ballot. Um. Uh, we have uh. Uh. This is uh, Nick Kristoff, the columnist for the New York Times, yeah. of course. Well, that's a lot. We have, you know... It's not the end, either. We have crime in Beverly Hills. I know people are eager to learn about that. Yep. We have some uh, uh, a, some readers who've uh, amended what's terrible about gas, the word gaslighting, and I think they're right about that. Um, anyway, that's what I got to talk about. Okay. I also, uh, I also had this... I had this... I had this annotation here... It seemed to say better white. And I said, Mickey, have you become a complete racist? Is it better white? What is this? And it turned out, of course, it was Betty White. Mm. Could talk about Betty White. I thought it was going to be better white than dead. And I agree. Better um, any better any ethnicity than dead. But yeah, Betty White. Let's talk a little. I, I want to talk about Betty White. Okay. Now, Not a commonly sure. expressed sentiment. <laughs> but, uh. I want to talk about the good old darn days of password. You know, she was married that well, we'll say this for the parents. Okay. You know, she um, was a she was a perfectly I like Betty White. But did she die because she took the booster? And apparently that's not true. Wasn't she like 112 years old? She was about to be a hundred and they were prefer- preparing all the And you're looking and you're looking for sinister causes of death? My neighbors think that uh, aren't taking the booster because they think it killed Betty White. And apparently, how old, how old are your no. neighbors? How old are your neighbors? Pretty fucking old. How well, old am I? Pretty fucking old. Well, if they're only as old as you, tell them I said they're safe. Okay, they're older. Um, but also tell them I said they're clearly past their prime. Okay, they're not. They're in their prime. They're great. Lie, I love my lie. neighbors. Uh, um, there's so, Peter Bogdanovich. Talk about Peter Bogdanovich. He died. Let's talk about Peter. Everybody is dying. It's getting alarming. I know. Let's talk about him in the last picture show. I have a, I have, I have something that, to say about how either deluded or dishonest he was. I mean, I don't want to speak ill of the dead, but what about this? About, on one well, occasion, on one occasion, in something he said to his wife. But go ahead. No, no. There's the whole thing about his his girlfriend Mickey, getting murdered. Mickey. Oh, there's that. So I had forgotten about, about that. We'll talk well, about that. Was, that. that was that was the most amazing part of his life. If you want more COVID stuff, we can talk about uh, Djokovic, who is currently imprisoned in a hotel in Australia. <laughs> um, uh, if you want. Um, anyway, Arguably the world's um, greatest tennis player. Okay. Um, finally, I don't know. I guess I shouldn't pass judgment on Don't Look Up until I actually finish it, which could happen, but I've watched most of it. Uh, I, 
And I don't know, I'm thinking about uh, reprimanding Greg Gutfeld, uh, even though I like... He he must have mocked Don't Look Up. (laughs) No, I would forgive him for that. Okay, I the, that. I reply. I replied to the tweet that that of his. So I'm I'm not doing this behind I, his back if I do it in the parrot room. Okay. I'm very happy that I don't have a t- don't look up take. I don't want to have a take on don't look up. Well, then maybe I'll skip that part. No, I can listen to your take. Just okay. don't expect to take take for me. I mean, also the Mike Pompeo weight loss program is something I think should somebody should market. Have you seen a picture of him? It's a little suspicious. Doesn't it look a little like he had that stomach thing done? It looks like he had plastic surgery. He's unrecognizable. His face is transformed. Uh, He literally is unrecognizable. I agree. Weird. But it's a little, it it reminds me a lot of the Mike Huckabee scandal. Remember, and it hasn't really come out, but one of the un- one of the, some of the under news of the Mike Huckabee race was that he claimed to have this incredible weight loss due to uh, pure willpower, and in, most people felt he he actually had his stu- that thing done to your stomach where they cut out part of it uh, mm-hmm. because he ate a lot of little meals, which is what you do after you've had that. Um, uh, but he never admitted it. I don't think it ever came out because he never went anywhere. Well, I think. A related question is, I guess this doesn't tell us anything about Pompeo's political aspirations that we didn't already know, which is that he wants to be president, right? He wants to be president so he can pursue a foreign policy that you don't like, I believe. That would be one consequence. Uh, he's not. I don't think he's going to be president. I, I hope you're right. I think you're right. And I hope you're right. I, I agree. I, I don't think. I don't think he was ever a very popular figure among any particular crowd. We may end up supporting him because he may be the only guy running against Trump. So what? Do, that's a tough Trump. call. Do you vote Trump, for Trump, Trump, Pompeo against Trump? Um, Brings us back to January 6th, but we've perhaps said enough about that. Uh, and I think I have, I know somebody who, who, who might write the great Remnick takedown. Oh, that's parrot room material. Okay. Great um, Remnick takedown. That's David Remnick, editor of The New Yorker. And I'm not advocating a takedown of him. I like it. I, it doesn't mean he's not good. It doesn't mean he's not great and fabulously talented and a wonderful person. It means everybody deserves a takedown and he hasn't gotten his. That's what it means. <sighs> Returns us to the question of who's doing, who's publishing the great takedowns these days. Um, Perhaps that should be the new mission of the non-zero newsletter. Which or of Ben Smith. To. He had already or, took uh, me down. Well, that we will leave to Cal's files because you have the motivation of having yourself been victim of a Ben Smith written takedown. Have you not? Correct. So you are exactly the impartial voice we turn to for a good sizing up of Ben Smith. Well, because I he's already done me, so he's not going to do me again, right? So. No. I don't think he's going to do you again. Yeah. Although you never know. Uh, we'll, we'll talk about what his new publication is going to be like. It may be nothing but Mickey Cow's takedowns for all we know. That will appeal to the global elite. Sure that will. he's aiming for. Sure will. So are we wrapping this up? I think we should. It's been an hour and 10 minutes. And uh, we okay. and so we will be in the Parrot Room at patreon.com slash Parrot Room shortly. 
after you listen to this. Okay. On to the takedowns. On to the takedowns. Exactly. <laughs>